The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Two Millennials One Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Gable, and today I'm joined by one of my best friends in the world who has not made an appearance on this podcast since episode six, Colton Harris. Colton, how you doing, bud? Oh, pretty good, buddy. How are you? Not bad. Happy to have you back on the show. And today we are talking about home buying. Before we get started, though, I'd like to encourage everyone to subscribe and download this podcast, share it with your friends. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. That said, uh, like I said before, we're talking about home buying, and Colton and I are both millennials, and we both own homes, so as far as being an authority on something, I believe we can speak to this pretty well. And what made me think of this is my friend Colton just tried to buy a house. Would you like to talk about your experience, my friend? Sure. Um, so hold on though. I'm I'm curious. Are we, when you say we're homeowners, are you counting the fact that we like really just rent from a bank at this moment? (laughs) Yes, I am. I understand your, your qualification there because a mortgage is definitely just like a rent payment and we don't fully have a hundred percent ownership of our home, but in the traditional definition of homeowner, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and extend that to having a mortgage. Can you get on board with that? I can, I can. All right. So like there's a little bit of a backstory. So the house I'm in now I bought or I got into an agreement with a bank I bought. Um, I guess it was uh 2016, late 2016 and so I'm on the other side of it, like the other side of the mortgage. And I've like been super aggressive in that. And then so like this relationship has gotten pretty serious. And like she's been kind of looking at houses and she'll send me some every now and then. And most of them have been like way extravagant, way too expensive. But this one was it was just a, a really strong deal. And it was one of those things where I was like, I don't think we can pass this up. Like we got to look at this. And it like not in my normal character at all i was like all right let's let's like try to make some moves and so i actually it had been on the market for maybe 12 hours at the time or like 14 hours or something it came on just last night and she sent it to me in the morning and so i took off the afternoon of work i called the bank i got pre-approved within three hours for 20 percent over asking price and went and saw the house. It's everything we thought it was like, it's one of those homes that just that check all the boxes and a couple more you didn't know you had. And we, as soon as we get there, which of course we got this coronavirus stuff going, but as soon as we get there, there's a line out the door. There's five different vehicles there. Oh no. We're like third to to view it. (laughs) And when we get there, her friend is, was the realtor for us. He goes, well, so there's two offers and one's a cash offer. And I was like, I don't know why, but I was just like so excited or wasn't thinking. And in my head, I thought, oh, well, that just means th- that I, I thought that was the same thing as like a finance offer. 
in my head I was like, oh, there's no way that someone made a they have a bag full of money and made an offer with cash. No, that's what that means, Ethan. And I'm sure you know that. But like I did not expect that that's what it was. And so then that cash offer like obviously beat everyone out and they must have made that immediately. I mean it must have came online and they were like, Okay, we're just gonna throw money at that right away and they, they offered like five percent over, which I offered more than that over and they still because it was a cash offer, it was like immediate. So that was a very humbling uh, and infuriating moment where I'd like tried so like I'd done everything to be in a position to be able to pounce on a house like that and like still couldn't beat someone just having the money in the bank. That's a really tough situation. And I Colton sent me a, a link of the house and it was a gorgeous house. Like if I was in a better position, I would have tried to snipe that as well. Beautiful home, land everything anyone could ever want for sure. Uh, but that's the story of our generation and through different iterations in general as being a millennial is we as a group of people don't sit generally on big bags of cash that can go buy homes outright. Usually I'm not saying there aren't any millennials that can do that, but yeah, you, you learned a hard lesson there and you played your cards right and you, you got pre-approved for the loan, but yeah, there's nothing like uh, the power people wield with, having just large sums of cash. Have you switched your view of things? Are you going to like just start hoarding money now so that doesn't happen again? Well, that's what kind of like I was being dramatic at the time that it happens because I do that from time to time. But <laughs> like when this when I the first time I wanted to buy a home, I was like, I'll just live in an apartment until I've got enough money to go buy a house in cash. And people were like, oh, you're being ridiculous. Don't do that. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, okay, fine. I'll do what everyone else does and I'll get a mortgage and I'll, I'll just try it because I hate debt so much. And I was like, I'll just try it really hard to pay it off because there's no way I'm going to – not the, the kind of home I'm in. I don't want to have to pay on it for 30 years. And so I – but I went ahead and did that. And now, yeah, now it's like, well, what do I do? I, I like played the game the way you're supposed to and <laughs> – that didn't work. So really, I just don't know if I have the ability to hoard a bunch. Of, I mean, I'm hoarding some cash, but near half a million dollars. That's that's crazy. Absolutely. And I'm in that same position too. I obviously own a home. I bought my first home in 2011. I've been in it ever since. I went the traditional route. Yes, I'm technically renting from a bank, but I, I want to move. I want to get out of here. This was a starter home. You know, I'm about to turn 30. I'm ready for something bigger and better, but we run into that same issue. I don't physically make enough. I don't earn enough in a year to hoard cash. Uh, I'm filling an IRA. I'm investing in stocks and bonds and stuff. I'm doing other investments, but I'm, I can't be that liquid. You know, I don't make enough money to just have an account where I have half a million dollars in it to go buy the house I want or even 400,000 or $300,000. It just doesn't seem feasible in this day and age. And I know in previous generations, like a lot of purchases were made in cash, uh, but you could get so much more with your money. And we live in this time where property values are super inflated to begin with. And again, that's going to depend on the region for sure. I don't know what it's exactly it is in your area, um, but things are expensive for sure. And yeah, we're just in no position to just accumulate that amount. Overall, do you regret your first purchase as uh, taking out as a mortgage, like, do you, would you go back and uh, do that different? I don't think so because I mean, I do okay with 
money and savings and luckily I had I had enough I mean not luckily but I I had debt from my student loans and so just being really aggressive towards debt I did see I'm like when I every time too I hear you talk about the, the different things you do and I know you do them so much better than I do but or anybody that does stocks and things I'm always worried like oh man there's I'm probably not I'm probably not optimally saving my money like with investments and different things but I've had debt always <laughs> and so I've just I know that being able to pay those ag- aggressively may it may not be the most efficient use of like later down the road but it's it's pretty close because especially my student loans had really high interest rates and I probably wouldn't be getting that much of a return on them anyways so having bought a house like and paying off that mortgage like building that equity puts me in a spot where I'm at least I'm not being totally wasteful I guess and especially like right now where if I could somehow buy into a house that <laughs> was normally priced selling this one I would make a crazy return on that investment but yeah it's just the buying part that's the issue <laughs> so no I don't regret I like how you mentioned that if you could get a new house and sell your old house, you'd make a crazy profit off of that, which I'm in the same position. Overall, our generation got screwed, at least the first half of our generation. Like they were coming of age, they were getting out of college, and then 2008 happened, they got wrecked by the financial crisis, and now we're just starting to emerge from that. Uh, in fact, last year, uh, millennials finally became like the largest segment of home buyers or people looking for homes after just years of not being able to qualify for that just because we're so poor and so inclined to rent to begin with. Um, however, you and I, we are like dead middle of the millennial generation. And we got lucky, I believe, and this is what we're talking about, that uh, you and I got out of college and we both got pretty good jobs right away, which I wouldn't say is overly typical of at least people I knew. I don't know about your friends specifically in your uh, engineering program, but we were able to get decent jobs and save and get houses shortly thereafter or a reasonable time after. And that doesn't seem we're in the minority, I should say. Only by the end of 2018, only one third of millennials actually owned a home. So that means two thirds are still renting or living with parents. I don't know. Do you think that we're exceptional human beings or do you think we just came came about the, uh, the home buying process at the right time? I think that you're an exceptional human being. I definitely was just lucky. Um, no, no, <laughs> you no. You may no. have had some luck <laughs> as well. I, I, would, I would always try to... Uh, defer most of my successes to some amount of luck and maybe a modicum of actual uh, merit. (laughs) Uh, I do think, I'm curious, is that, are those like U.S. statistics? Yes. I know that we were, I mean, if you, if you compared our careers paths to that, I'm sure it would be, it would stand to reason that the rest of the third would have similar occupations. And that's probably the only reason why we were even close to being able to do what we were doing with and my colleagues as well. Like, yeah, all of my engineering friends were pretty easily found a job, I would say, comparatively to like my art major friends. And then you finished your degree from where there were much more liberal arts uh, majors than where my degree came from. Sure. So, yeah, I would say that was Unfortunately, other than the people who got degrees in teaching, particularly in math, had an even harder time. 
that's a tough one. I mean, we we also chose those paths on purpose. So, like, yeah, that's maybe the one part of it where we fated our destiny a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> no, that, that brings up an interesting point. I agree with you overall. Like, yes, our generation faces – it faced a tough road, especially though, like the first half of the generation. They got hit bad. Everyone, a lot of people lost their jobs, whatever. But you're right. We strategically, I believe, chose – professions that we knew would allow us to earn a certain level. And clearly your earning potential and ability is going to lead directly to your ability to buy a home, especially in this day and age for sure. So yeah, definitely not just luck. We made some decent choices for sure. And and luck definitely goes into it as well. If we were born five years earlier, obviously that could have been a harder road for a variety of reasons. I don't know about you, but I got a heck of a deal on my home because of the fact that the economy crashed. Uh, It was truly just that luck and timing of like, oh, I have a job now and I have X amount of dollars now. And oh, all these houses are cheap because no one wants them. So yeah, that was definitely a luck component, but it a lot goes into those statistics for sure. Yeah, I think you you made a good point about saying that where we are at within the millennial group, having been, I mean, that was our first year of college. So like we're kind of already at the bottom of the rung when it comes to finances. You know, you're a broke college kid. And so being a broke college kid in a thriving economy versus a broke college kid in a bad economy I don't know. I mean, we were one in a bad one, so I I guess I can't say, but uh, it feels like it's not much of a difference. But I know my so my brother, who's technically a millennial, he would be like the very first man. He 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 well, he lives in Colorado too, so that's a tough market, but uh, near Denver, but like he's having a rough go of it. And I would say maybe that generation or that part of our generation has has maybe the harder place to be because they would have been in their years of like getting a job when that happened. So, yeah, totally different, I would say. Right. And I'll speak to the younger end even. I'm going to say we're in the golden zone of the millennial generation. My little brother who... I mean, it's hard to believe, but is a full-grown adult now, you know, like our millennial generation tops out at age 40. We're all getting old, sad, but he is looking for a house right now and is having a tough time because since 2008, we've had 10 years of recovery and we'll ignore what's happening right now specifically, but home prices are outrageous right now. And he lives in a town that has a just a small amount of available homes. So the prices on those are getting just ratcheted up. And he he's just not able to purchase right now or even get a, a mortgage to buy one right now. So I think on both ends, like the pre-crash millennials who lost their jobs and just are slowly recovering through this, as well as the ones now, the back end where prices have just gone up so extravagantly, they're getting hurt a lot too. So I don't know. I know a lot of it is our ability to make good choices and save money and all that, but I think there is some luck in that too of we were in the Goldilocks zone of being a millennial. For sure. Yeah, because it it, it kind of has to do with that timing of like we weren't as affected as badly by the recession and then we had a little bit more time to get cash. And like, man, I don't I know that traditionally, which that's going to have to go away soon, but uh, or I would seem like it would the traditional like 20% or whatever for a conventional loan. That's not easy. Like that's real hard to do on a, it's hard, (laughs) no doubt. And as I was researching this, that's one of the main takeaways. Like there were just lots of like, 
pieces and articles written about our generation specifically and how we go about buying homes. And uh, some of them made perfect sense. Like we generally opt for smaller homes. Why would that be? It's because those are more affordable. And then the next one that I kept seeing was millennials typically do not put 20% down on a conventional home loan, which as you point out, like that's going to be problematic that we can't do that. But also like, I mean, there are a ton of ramifications of not putting 20% down on a loan, but it's hard to. I mean, if you're trying to buy any sort of decent home, that's going to be a a massive sum. I assume you were able on your first home to put 20% down? No, sir. Oh, really? Thinking about that, really interesting. Yeah, because like I might have, I'm trying to think about what my bank account was back then, but I know that I didn't. And I, you know, it's funny too, because I remember helping my brother look for a house before I bought one. And we were trying everything we could do to get like uh, FHAs or like, you know, any kind of USDA type of loan because in the reason, the main reason was because we knew that you could get really low down payments on those. Some like some of them are are zero. And then when I finally like was trying to buy a house, which is like, it was like a a year later or something like that. I found a bank and that was always my first question was how, how little of a down payment can I make? Because I wasn't afraid of the payments and I had a a strong job, but I hadn't had that job for very long. And so I didn't have a lot of money in under my mattress. So I ended up going with, I think I put 5% on this house and it took away most of my savings at the time. Like, I don't even know if I would have been able to afford 20%. Right. And just for our listeners that may be hearing this that don't know the difference between the loans, there's the conventional loan where you typically put 20% down of the total purchase price, but then you have other options. Like you mentioned FHA, there are HUD loans, there are just a, a ton of different options that allow the borrower to put down less. And what does that do for you? Well, that's going to increase your payment. It usually increases your interest rate as well. But like Colton pointed out, if you have a strong job, that may be an option, especially if you're cash poor less down payment, more payments, or more in your monthly payment. I was kind of the opposite direction. Obviously, teachers don't make a whole lot. I was worried about uh, the payment. I didn't necessarily want to get into a situation where I had a large monthly payment because I just don't take home a ton. So I went the conventional route, but I also, uh, I, I went broke at that point and I had to take a loan out from my father. And that's a typical millennial tactic is finding uh, someone in the uh, baby boomer generation above you that is obviously sitting on some cash. So I took a loan out from my dad to go with whatever cat, like I went totally broke to get this house. It was a 0% loan, which was really nice of you, dad. Thanks for that. But that allowed me to go the conventional route and keep my payment really low. And I aggressively paid him off. And now I pay this tiny little sum each month to live in my house. But there were definitely other options. And that's, it's truly going to be up to the buyer as to what they want to do. But that's interesting. You only put 5% down and... are able to or were able to aggressively pay that off still good for you sir that's impressive thanks yeah i mean i but it it, the reason i thought it was a smart move is because like you said which i was a little further away from you but houses were starting to climb back up and so i still wanted to get into a house as soon as possible totally makes sense. And it's probably good that you did that in retrospect, because like I said, I don't know the market down there specifically, but the the change in home price just even in the last five years has been significant. Some other traits of millennial home buying, which just kind of want to get your comment on, apparently with this general idea that millennials don't have a lot of cash in hand, 
we opt to live in the suburbs or not in city centers. And I would say you kind of did that with the house you're in now. Is that somewhat accurate? You kind of live on the outskirts of your town? Yeah, I do. Which was kind of, I don't know if it was how practical it was or or how beneficial it was in terms of just maybe there's a little less light pollution or like not in the middle of things and I can get out of town quicker if I'm traveling or whatever. But part of it is just the nostalgia of like growing up in the country, I want to stay in the country kind of a thing. Yeah, totally makes sense. My town's small enough, obviously, where we don't really have suburbs per se. I definitely live in the city, but my home buying experience was way less about choice and more about finding a reasonably priced home that wasn't just trashed. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think we necessarily hit the typical millennial home buying experience for sure. Like I said, I think we're in that Goldilocks zone of not being totally screwed over on things and then obviously set ourselves up for better choices, but still interesting to see. I don't know if general millennials will like listening to our successes, but oh well, we're representatives of the generation for sure. Uh, One other one I saw uh, often, and I think this definitely hits us though, uh, is millennials compared to Gen X and the baby boomers, we're more fluid in home ownership. We are more likely to sell our homes and relocate in a short amount of time, whereas the previous generations were more inclined to like buy that quote unquote forever home or live in a home for 20, 25 years before like downsizing or doing something else. And I think your anecdote to begin with, clearly you're looking for a new home. When you bought your first home, did you view that as a starter home, something you'd have temporarily? Yeah, I wanted to have something that I could use to rent, but as I searched for things that became that became a less of a requirement and more of a we'll hope that that happens. But yeah, it was definitely I did not it, I did not plan on staying here for a long period of time. When you said used to rent, did you mean like you're the landlord and you rent it out to other people? Is that what the intended purpose was? Yes. Okay. Were you going to continue apartment living when you did that? Probably that I would just keep it after I moved as a rental property. I see. I see. I kind of flirt with that idea now and again, too. What's unfortunately probably going to happen is I'm going to have to use the equity out of this home for my next home purchase. It would be great as a rental, but again, that's the uh, the thing of not hoarding cash and uh, making different investments and whatnot. Moving forward, are you still on the house hunt? Are you still looking for that perfect home, or did this one just kind of shut you down for a while? Well, it's funny. Like I kind of had a plan to to save up for a few more years and be in a position to put 20% down on a forever home kind of situation. But then, you know, it all depends on if the property, the house, if, if something comes along that's worth trying to get into, particularly in this time, like perhaps I was in the Goldilocks zone of this moment where I could sell my house for quite a bit and I could get into a new one. And I was thinking for me, getting into a new house would be because I would be upgrading. I somehow rationalized that that would, that would impact me less than it would impact other people um, because I'm already upgrading. I'm already expecting a bigger monthly payment. So I thought, well, like that'll be one thing that'll prevent other people from moving is the whole, is the fact that, yeah, you may be selling high, but you're also buying high. For me, that's an already expected thing because I'm upgrading. So I thought I somehow use that to rationalize that I should like, I should make the, I should pull the trigger on it. But yeah, it just depends on if like I find a house. So 
My girlfriend's really good at finding homes. If she finds another one like we tried at, I will do it. But otherwise, I'm probably, yeah, not really that interested for the moment. Fair enough. Absolutely. And I don't think your rationale was bad there. I think about that frequently (laughs) of where home prices are at now. And yeah, I can get a ton over what I paid for my current house, but I'm also going to turn around and have to spend that amount too. And if you're comfortable with doing that, yeah, that puts you in a position of power until you come up against the person that just apparently sits on stacks of cash and buys things outright. That's how things go, I guess. Uh, Overall, moving forward to the future, specifically like right now in the near future with this coronavirus and COVID-19 and shutdown and economy kind of being sketchy and everyone losing their job, can you predict or where do you see the housing market going? Oh, man. Um, Well, I've learned that during this pandemic, you shouldn't predict anything. (laughs) But I might have an opinion about where I go. I I mean, it's weird because I was paying more attention to the market where my brother lives because he just he just got into a condo. And uh, man, that it is wild over there, like near Denver. And so it seems like things were maybe just starting to get normal there. And now I imagine they're crazy again here where it happened, like down where I'm at in southwest Missouri. Things didn't seem like there, there wasn't really a lot of it. There was a lot of house building which is interesting. Even like just anecdotally, like right behind my house, there's been like two new subdivisions and they're like craftsman homes that are selling for some of them are half a million dollars. So like these are big forever type homes, you know, four or five bedrooms, 3000 plus square feet in all of them. And so like, it's interesting to me, those, those houses were going pretty fast, but some of them are still out there for sale now. So I think at least for the foreseeable future, inventory is going to be low and prices are going to be high. And then eventually, I would imagine that would cause a surge in construction. And then maybe in a couple of years, there's going to be a surplus because too many overzealous builders <laughs> that couldn't get couldn't get their inventory unloaded. So maybe there'll be an opportunity in the future. I mean, I literally just came up with that thought right now. So sorry for the rambling, but that's, that's what I would perhaps see in the future. No, that's a rather coherent thought for sure. I'm more predicting some fallout from the the vast unemployment rate at the moment. If this happened in like a normal recession and we had 14% unemployment, I would expect there to be a lot of houses coming up on the market through the foreclosure market or uh, just people being underwater. But um, it seems that most of the banks are not uh, defaulting or not punishing people for defaulting on payments at the moment. So that's going to keep people in their houses longer, which would definitely lead during a recovery to what you mentioned of just a lot of houses being built and eventually maybe a surplus. However, if a second wave happens or whatever, whatever economic path we're headed, if that continues in a downward direction and eventually the banks can't afford to not punish people for default and let them be overdue on their payments and whatnot, I could still foresee a general 2008 type of situation where there are a lot of decent properties on the market for reduced prices just simply because of foreclosures and whatnot. So yeah, anyone listening to this should not be taking any notes or like investment advice as we spitball this uh, potential future outcome, but it'll be interesting to see for sure. I'm kind of in the sit and wait mode. If something awesome pops up, that uh, is worth it. Kind of like that house you sent me was worth it for you. I'm definitely willing and ready to make a big money move, but it's going to have to be something 
fantastic. I'm not going to just buy to buy. And I'm going to wait and see what happens in the near future. I think the landscape's going to change significantly, and it may be a better time to buy uh, later on than it is right now at what seems to be the peak of a market. Yeah. When you say ready, how ready are you, do you think you are? Because apparently my motion of five hours was not fast enough. <laughs> I would put it at a similar time frame, which again, may not be fast enough. I think things move a bit slower where I'm at, but yeah, pretty quick. Something came up a while back and we went ahead and filled out a loan application to be pre-approved. So we were serious enough to do that. Yeah, I don't know. It could go quick. Like I said, it would have to be something spectacular. Walkout basement on some acreage type of thing to get specific. Definitely willing and ready, but nothing has made me, I don't know, sell any stock or anything to make it more feasible. Yeah, I would imagine you're you're going to do really well when you win or if you decide to sell your house because you've done that remodeling. and. Yeah. I, I don't want to throw any numbers out because I don't think a listeners care. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do well unless the market and the whole thing just literally tanks. I, I don't think I will lose anything for sure. It, it'll definitely be on the plus side. I'm curious if uh, I'm just thinking about our generation now, if like people like us who did buy a house or the, the one third, as you say, in 2018 that did own a home, did they do a lot of remodeling? I hear that a lot from other generations that are, we don't know how to swing a hammer. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> I wonder if that's uh if that could be bore out in statistics of home buying. That's a, a very interesting point. Cause yeah, we are hit a lot as not willing to get our hands dirty and whatnot. And if that's the case, then usually like, Oh, I'm just going to hire someone to do this remodel, but that also costs a ton of money. And <laughs> if we can barely like afford to, put 20% down or buy a home in the first place. I don't know what percentage of us are paying people to remodel. So that's a fair question that would be worth sussing out, I suppose, of how many of us millennials bought homes and then improved them in an attempt to flip it or turn it or make a profit on it, or if we are buying them and just letting them decay and maybe taking a loss on it or barely getting our money back. Interesting question. Have you done much updating on your home? Uh, I replaced the deck. It was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty bad when I bought it. And, uh, so I like, I relayed down the deck and I, I put in a chain link fence all the way around. There are some things that I am, am planning on doing. Like I've got a, I hired a, I hired a contract. I don't do, I haven't done a lot of concrete Ethan, but I, I hired a, a contractor to pour a, like a 16 by 16 pad. And I'm going to build a exterior garage on top of that. I'm definitely going to do those things, but that that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Right on. Just general last thought. Have you ever considered putting some money in your home, making it really awesome, as high of an appraisal value as you possibly could, selling it to get the cash and living in an apartment while you look for that perfect home so you could be a stronger cash buyer? Has that ever crossed your mind? Uh, it has. It has because I've got a friend who's he's like maybe one or two years away from being able to call himself a millennial. And uh, we were talking about home buying, and that's exactly what he said the best plan to do right now would be. <laughs> He's like, if a guy could could do that and then wait it out until the market is where, like we were talking about, might go, that'd be the best place or best thing you could do financially. It's like, yeah, but it's a pretty intense move for a hope for. And <laughs> I don't know that I could pull that pull that off, but, you know, it might pay off. How much would it pay off, though? What would that really gain you, you think? That's the question. Any gain is based on that question mark of the future. You know, if 
things truly took a turn to the south and home prices reduced drastically. I mean, there's money absolutely to be saved there by doing that, you know? But that's the whole thing is like, what if it doesn't? What if house price, what if we recover really fast and house prices go up and you're trapped living in an apartment and the cash that you got out of your other home is just not enough and you're right back in the position you were before? Just like with any home buying process or investing in general, it's all a gamble. uh, But that's just kind of fun to think about. My girlfriend and I have tossed that around too of getting out of this house now that it's probably at its maximum value and then going and living in her parents' basement just like a typical millennial, but there's no way on earth I would ever, ever do that. That's too crazy. All right, my dude, I appreciate you talking to me about the home buying process. And um, again, I think our view of this whole topic is biased as we have had general success in the home buying marketplace, but I mean, there's a third of us that are living this dream, so it's not too far off. (laughs) You got a song pick of the week for us, man? I feel so silly every time I tell you one of these. It's like a guilty pleasure right now, that song uh, by Black Bear, Hot Girl Bummer. Love that song. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. I literally was going to do a Black Bear song today as well. Oh, nice. I was going to go see him, but then the pandemic happened. Like he was, I'm pretty sure he was coming to St. Louis pretty recently, but then I don't think it happened. Yeah, I'm sure all of those got canceled, but yeah, that track Hot Girl Bummer is fantastic. I'm going to go with G2GTTYL by Black Bear, uh, which is another bop. I really like Black Bear. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Thanks to everyone who listened to this episode about home buying. If you're a millennial listening to this and you're still living in your parents' basement, accumulate a ton of cash and go buy a home. It's pretty worth it. Stay safe out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. 